0: Okay So father this morning we want to thank you for Jesus and as always We want to lift up the name that is recognized in heaven and earth as the supreme name Jesus and this morning we thank you That you can reveal him more to us Through the holy spirit who has been commissioned to do that And so I pray that lord the spirits of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, will be released here this morning. That every heart may be turned, changed and blessed in the knowledge of who Jesus is. And we give you all the glory, honor and praise. Amen. So this woman was in a situation that she could not get out of because she was in deep conviction of her sin. And she had no option because all her attempts, probably, of trying to have her sins washed away by going to the temple and offering sacrifices did not produce any fruit in her life because she continued to sin. And so there came a moment in her life when she needed to decide what she was going to do because the conviction of her sin was getting unbearable. And she knew that Jesus was in town. And she realized that, you know, that somehow maybe the back of her mind doesn't tell us exactly what her thoughts were. But enough to prompt her into action to find the house of Simon the Pharisee because she knew Jesus was there. Now, The Bible tells us that she was a sinner. That means an unclean person. Now the context in which that word is used suggests to me that she was a habitual sinner. Whatever the sin was, people try to say that she was a prostitute or an unclean woman of some sort. Perhaps. I don't know. I don't want to put connotations on what the Bible does not say. But she was very aware of the sin and she wasn't accepted in society because when she turned up at Simon the Pharisee's house and she began to touch Jesus, Simon said if this man is a prophet he would know that she's not a you know she's a sinner. Meaning to say that maybe he's not a sinner, right? Uh, which straight away tells me that he was judging her without looking at his own heart. And the scenario was that the conviction drove her to do something that most people would not do. And she brought with her the alabaster box of precious ointment that she had been saving. And she broke it. That means completely destroyed it so that the ointment could be released and then she used it upon Jesus and applied it upon him and wiped his feet with her hair so that he would be perfumed with the alabaster box of perfume you know technically speaking anything that is offered as a collection of sin is not accepted in God in the Old Testament but anything that comes in the New Testament because it is sin, or a sin offering, Jesus has already wiped it Amen. So when you and I go to God and we repent of our actions and of our thoughts and of our ways, it's really coming to tell him that we are a sinner. Maybe some of us are in habitual sin. Maybe we are unable to overcome it. The idea here is that you are recognized as a sinner. And who is it that recognizes you as a sin? Maybe your neighbor doesn't know about it. Maybe your pastor doesn't know about it. But God the Holy Spirit certainly knows about it. Amen? And so the conviction of the Holy Spirit drives a person to the point where they have to come to a decision in life as to whether they're going to repent or not. So I don't want you to take communion as a ritual I say, oh, this is just another part of the service because you're being judged on what you do when you take communion. Not by me, but by the Father in Him. Amen? Because He doesn't want you to, despite the blood of Jesus that was shed for you on the cross and erroneously take part of communion without confessing your sin. But the thing is, if there is no conviction of sin you cannot repent of sin. You might know of it. You might even know that you are sinning but you have no conviction of the sin. Meaning to say that you are driven to the point of the edge of the cliff where you have to make a decision either to accept the fact that you are a sinner, or to go to God and say, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. When you do that, there is forgiveness for the soul that attempts to do it. So God has given us the power. Okay, God has given us the power. No man can say, I can't do it. Okay? Because God has given us the power, He's given us the power to rise above our circumstances in life. This woman got up from her um, her room in her house and decided to go to Simon the Pharisee's house where she was not welcome. But the but the Word of God says, "You are welcome in the presence of God. Come in boldly into the throne room of grace and mercy when you need the help." And you are welcome there. They say, oh, but God, I'm a sinner, I can't. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm welcoming you in. Come, confess your sin. And get washed clean. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about being given wholly unto the Lord. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Being given wholly unto the Lord. There are times in our lives when we will realize that the conviction of the Holy Spirit tells us that we are not wholly given unto the Lord. Okay, no matter how long we've been a Christian. Because there's yet a bit that is not perfected in us and therefore it is not wholly given unto the Lord. And we have to recognize the ways of the Lord. And when the Father's ways must be known, Jesus came to know, to tell us the Father's ways. Amen? So that we understand the ways of the Father and then we can do what the Father tells us to do. So she knew she had to deal with this situation because for her, there was no escape. There was no point of return now. When she got with that alabaster box and headed towards Jesus, she had made up her mind there was no point of return. I remember when Jesus spoke to me, I was in a church service, and a drug addict, and an alcoholic, going mad. And I had supernatural encounters, and I still didn't give my life to the Lord. I mean, I had major supernatural encounters, I've told you so many times. But this one, the third one, was the final one, and Jesus spoke to me just after the church, uh, the pastor had finished his sermon and given an all, all the call for water baptism. And I heard the voice of Jesus very clearly speak to me and he said, Noble, if you don't accept me now, you're dead physically and spiritually. It was not a threat. Okay, don't get me wrong. It was not a threat. It was a final warning. That your decision not to accept me will end up in physical and spiritual death. I've been reaching out, reaching out, reaching out and reaching out to you, but you're living in your sin. You are a sinner. So I had to get myself around this and say, okay, and I put my hand up. And I went into the waters of baptism and as, as, as I was walking up to that tank, 30-50 feet walk, I heard the voice of Jesus say to me, You are not coming back from this. Your affair with the world is over. Wow. I went into the waters of baptism came out. was angry, drove home for 45 minutes. But I went and threw my stash of drugs away in the toilet and flushed it. And I was totally and instantly delivered from everything that held me that was a problem to God. And a problem to me, that I could not give up. This woman obviously could not give up her sin, whatever it was, we don't know what it was, but she took an offering. She took an offering into the house where she was not welcome, because she knew that if she was able to get to Jesus, she would be welcomed by Jesus. She had probably had had enough information of Jesus forgiving the people. Because later on in the story you will realize that Jesus forgives her sin. Hallelujah! Isn't it wonderful that this woman woke up to the fact that she needed Jesus. He had not yet been crucified, he had not yet been resurrected, he had not yet been given that deity of, of, that uh, we have given to him now because of what we know, but she had been concluded that he was the one who could forgive her her sins. Which makes me think that her sins that she was going and and sacrificing for at the temple was not doing anything for her. Maybe you are praying some certain kind of prayers that's not doing anything for you to get forgiveness or healing or deliverance or to go to the next level or whatever it is that you are seeking for from Jesus. You need to make him an offering. I'm not talking about money. Okay? You need to make him an offer. Go to him. And negotiate with him. You say, how can I do that? Because in Isaiah chapter 1, it says, Come, sit down with me. Let us reason together. Let us reason together about your sin. That is red, scarlet, and I will make it white as snow. You know. And I know what my sin is. Deep down inside. Not because we have realized it. But because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is upon us. And so when the Holy Spirit is talking to us. Don't ignore Him. Don't say, is that you Lord? Is that your voice talking to me? Well, he might not answer you because what is obvious in the flesh should be known by you. If you are committing adultery, it's obvious. If you are sleeping outside of marriage, it's obvious. If you are smoking or drinking, it's obvious. If you are lying or cheating, it's obvious. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to that out. Come on. Even the world standards do not accept those things. Even the world standards do not accept those things. So, why do you want God to accept it? Why is it that we are trying to pull the wool over the eyes of God when we cannot pull the wool over the eyes of the world? And we obey the laws of the world so strenuously and so definitely, definitively but not God because we take Him for granted. And this is the teaching of amazing, of, of extreme grace. This is the teaching of extreme grace. She'll be right, man. Don't worry. You don't have to confess your sin. You don't have to repent of your sin. Right? The thing is, you know your sin, you're convicted of your sin, but you don't want to repent of it. So we need to understand that God is talking to the church in the last days about getting prepared. Giving yourself wholly unto the Lord was her, for her the point of no return. If she was rejected by Jesus, in front of everybody, that was the point of no return. How was she to know that Jesus would accept her? How was she to know that? She had no scripture to back her up, like you and me. She was not accepted in society, so she had nothing of society to back her up. How was she to know she had faith? She had faith to believe that this was the Messiah, the Son of God, and that He could forgive sins. She did not go there and say, please forgive my sins. No, she went there with an offering which was an indicator to Jesus that she had come to sacrifice her gains, everything that she had, her soul, her spirit, her body, and all her material well-being. She was going to sacrifice it before Jesus so that He could forgive her her sins wow, I think to myself of this woman and Jesus said, this woman, when you talk about her, she will, this act, she will be preached all over the world. The amazing thing, the amazing thing is taking place in the Pharisee's house and he can't even work out what's going on here. Jesus said, you didn't give me water to wash my feet, which was the tradition of Jews. He said, you did not give me oil to anoint my head. That's a tradition of Jews. He said, you didn't do all that. He said, but this woman came And she's wiping my feet with her hair and anointing my head with the perfume. And she's blessing me. Whereas you who invited me to your house has not blessed me. So you invite Christ to your house. And you say, come and bless me. Give me a job, give me a car, give me a license, give me this, give me that. Whatever it is that you are seeking, but you don't bless God. You want to be blessed, but you don't bless God. He said, How have I not blessed you? He said, You've withheld your tithes in Malachi. You have profaned the sanctuary, your own temple. Your body is the temple of the living God. Don't, don't profane the temple. Okay? You have profaned that. So then, when the conviction comes, we wipe it off, we hide it, we put it away to the side, and we say, Oh, well, you know, maybe you're just making a big deal out of this. It's not real. But it is. But it is, for God, it is real. She validated her repentance with an offering, which was more than what uh, we see in the material. She offered herself. She wanted to be pure again. I don't know what you are seeking from the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But one of the things I've been seeking from God, for myself, is purity. Purity is an extremely important concept. Attached to holiness and to being given holy unto the Lord. Because none of the vessels in the house of God are impure. They are only pure. That means 100% pure. Right, there's no spot, there's no wrinkle, there's no, nothing of that can contaminate this perfect vessel. And nothing is allowed into the presence of God to contaminate those things. So God is standing, you know, in the midst of us and He's saying, have you had a look at your own heart recently? As to how Contaminated it is. And he said, No, but our God gives, our God talents, I'm doing miracles, signs, and wonders, saving people, going here, going there, doing all of that. He said, Yeah, but you have not stopped to spend time with me and allow me to search your heart. Mm-hmm. Now we, want, we want all the things that we, have, we put up as a list to God and say, You bless us and we'll bless you. No, 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 no. You can't negotiate with God on those basis. That if you give me a blessing, I will give you a blessing. But purity is talking about two things. One is where you are trying to purify yourself. And one where God has to purify you. I remember when I was in a, a place trying to do an order for my granite. I was going through lots of problems. And the time had come probably for me to move into ministry, I didn't know exactly that. And I had a dream of a six-month-old Australian baby who looked exactly like my friend's baby. And he was floating in the air. Beautiful, beautiful baby. So innocent and so pure. I mean, I cannot explain the purity that was coming out of this child. And I said, well, let me stop here because this is heaven, this is heaven, it didn't even last 30 seconds, and I was bemoaning that, I I could have stayed there forever, because it was so pure, and you know what, God spoke to me later on about this dream and gave me the interpretation was, He said, I'm offering you a church. I'm offering you a pure church. But when I arrived there, it was hardly pure. Right? This is Newtown City, the gate capital city of Australia. <coughs> it was hardly pure. And there were only ten people in the church that could see 250 people. And I said, What's going on And the Lord said, this is a well that I had dug many, many, many years ago. As the devil has hit it, contaminated it, destroyed it, and all the ministers who have come and gone from there have not understood the purpose for which I dug this well. See, we are seeking God to be a well-watered God and a spring that shall not fail. It requires purity. It requires you to be pure. Why do you think I don't allow people up here in the pulpit who are not walking in at least the basics of their relationship with God? Why? Because I know what God requires. Right? Now if I know as a pastor of the church what God requires and I'm scared of you to tell you, not to tell you that you are walking in sin and therefore you cannot come here, then I'm not much of a pastor in the sight of God. I, I'm not worthy of the medal God has given me. So I'm the executor of His will on earth through the word of God and He expects me to be there. I said, so but God, they will oppose me. Yes, they're going to oppose you. They're going to hate me. They're going to blaspheme me. They're going to put me down. Of course they're going to do that. But you are the executor of my will. This woman knew she was going to be blasphemed in the presence of those people and they already said, Oh, she's a sinner. What is she doing in this house? You know, and, and she's not a pure vessel and uh, so what? Suggesting that they are pure? No, she came for purity. Right? You why are you coming to church just to sing songs and uh, listen to a message. No, you're coming to be purified. You're coming to be sanctified you're coming to be blessed you're coming to be changed in your spirit that you want god in his in his his abundant mercy to move in your heart somewhere to change you from the kind of person you are to a person that he wants you to be but what we do is we go on projecting who we are to him and say we're already there lord Because you gave me your righteousness, I'm already there. Because you gave me your health, I'm already there. Before you gave, because you gave me your wealth, I'm already there. there. No, 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 you're not there. Because it's evident. You come to me for prayer, so it's evident that you're not there. Stop kidding ourselves that we are there. No, we need to come to God. On our knees. To bless means to come on our knees. To bless God. She came. She didn't even lift her head up. She knelt down. She broke that alabaster box. There was no retrieval of it. That's what was the point of no return. There was no retrieval of her finances. There was no retrieval of the precious oil that she had. It, it, It permeated the entire room. That was the point of no return. She was seeking purity. She wanted to be cleansed of her sin and she knew that Jesus could do that. Today many are defiled and have in turn defiled themselves. They find it hard to be pure because they have this thought life or they have this habit or they have some other situation going on in their life and they know that they are putting bitter water with sweet water and trying to bring it out of the sin. They know it. And God says, no, you can't have bitter and sweet water coming out of the same well. That's why when we lift our hands to worship God, we have to be very careful what we're doing. We have to be extremely careful because of the blessings that can be stopped or even the judgment that can come. But the Word of God is an incredible revelator of what God has done for us. And it says that Jesus washed the disciples with His blood. Amen. So when you seek to be pure, what must you do? You must seek the Word. Because it's the Word that will wash you clean. It is the Word that will make you whole and complete. Do not seek to defile yourself again. You know, I, I know of people who come and, and they get blessed, they get healed, they get delivered, and all sorts of things happen to them, you know, and then they go away, and they go straight back into their sin, like a dog returning back to its moment. So you get healed of your depression, you leave the doors, you go home, and you go straight into depression. So what was the deliverance about? Nothing. Zero. There was all that manifestation of demons coming out and all this sort of stuff. (laughs) Then you go home and you go straight back into depression. You go straight back into oppression. You go straight back into into your habit. And that thing is staring at you and saying, come to me, come to me. And you say, yes, I'm coming. (laughs) But you were just in church being delivered of that very thing. So you took no power over that Thing and said, No, you're destroyed now. Jesus has set me free. Jesus has set me free. We sang the song today, do we? Whom the sun sets free, is free mm-hmm. indeed. I haven't gone back on alcohol or drugs or any of those things because I'm free. I will live. But there's more cleaning to be done. So when one seeks to purge themselves, okay, let's say you are going to God and you're saying, "Lord, I'm sorry for my sins and uh, no, I've done this." And that's seeking to purge yourself, to cleanse yourself, right? So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse four. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So Paul is admonishing the Corinthians and us to make an effort to cleanse ourselves. And that's a good thing. But yet, when we are seeking purity, it is God who must wash us clean with His words and blood. When we are seeking purity, we must always ask God to cleanse us. I'll tell you why later. Communion is very, very important in this context when you come to partake of it. You are cleansing yourself, through the body and the blood of Jesus. That's why it's so important. That's why if you partake of it erroneously, you are judged. Right? Many die, many fall sick. Of course, they have misused and abused the body and the blood of Jesus. Uh, Taking it as a ritual rather than a confession of sin, before God, a remembrance of what Jesus did for them. Now, you might come to the communion table and you might say, Well, I'm not a sinner. I've never sinned, I haven't sinned. you're a liar. Okay, so that's your sin. Is that you're a liar. So, you've got to come to the communion table, and if you can't work out what your sin is, ask the Holy Spirit. He will tell you. He will convict you of your sin. It could be something very, very small. Could be as far as uh, George said, resentment or unforgiveness or something else that is bothering you. But it's a defilement of your body and of your soul and of your spirit before God. And does not allow you to enter into holiness and acceptance with God. So you must cleanse that by confession and repentance. See, we have a sin nature. That doesn't mean we're habitual sinners. Mm. Right? Because we are living in the flesh, we have a sin nature. So the sin nature causes us to want to sin. The devil uses that against us and tempts us. and Like we want to get angry or say a bad word in a situation where our back is to the wall or something else and we'll be getting angry or maybe even our thought life. Right? Often it's my thought life that I have to deal with and I find myself being engaged into the things that are not of God in my thought life. Because of my anger, because of my frustration, because of the things that I go through. But I'm seeking to alienate myself from that because I want to think like Christ. I want to have the mind of Christ. But I cannot till I purge myself From those things. So I have to come to the communion table and say, Lord, I I, I can't do this. Please forgive me. Please help me. Please strengthen me not to fall into the trap of the devil. And that's when God gets in on the Mm act. So in the Old Testament, they brought an offering for the cleansing of their sins once a year or when they needed to. In the New Testament, the cleansing agents of God are His blood and words. Let's have a look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. So we're looking at the cleansing agents of God given to us in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What? He washed us from our sins with his own blood. He took it upon himself to go to the cross and wash us. Everyone was seeking a saviour, but no one had a saviour till Jesus went to the cross. Yes, it was prophesied. Yes, it was spoken about. And, and many did not believe when he came to the earth. And it was not done till he could go to the cross. Amen. So to wash us in the blood. But here on here earth with this woman. He is forgiving her sins without going to the cross. How did he do that? It says you can forgive someone's sins. Does it not say in the Bible that you can forgive someone's sins? Why? Because God has sanctified you to do that. Right? Someone has sinned against you, for example, offended you. You can forgive them. That's no. Their sin. Simple. Yeah. That is forgiving them their sin. You know it's their sin. Forgive them. You have the power to do so. Pray the prayer of faith. Right? With the anointing of oil. And the sin, if they have committed any, will be forgiven. So, there could be a sin associated with uh, ill health. So instead of praying just for the health, pray for the sin. Oh, but I can't pray out the sin, I know. Like this pastor, you know, he's a very uh, anointed man of God. And his brother-in-law, who was also a pastor, rang him up. And said, uh, Brother-in-law, your sister is bloating up and she's going to burst any minute now. But the two brothers, the brothers-in-law did not get them home. So this man said, if I come to pray for my sister and God shows me something, you will have to accept it. He said, yes. So he went and this woman was bloating up. just She was going to burst any minute. So the Lord said to this man who went to pray for her that the husband had been committing adultery and that because of that the wife was suffering the effects of that sin. So he called this guy out and he told him and he said now confess your sin otherwise she's not going to be healed. See, don't just go walk in and pray for people's healing. Sometimes it's got to do with their sin.
1: Yeah.
0: You need to get them to confess their sin. To get rid of that, that demon who has a legal right to the body and to the spirit and to the mind because of their sin. But we're so scared to tell people of their sin that we just ignore that. We pray for healing and nothing happens as we walk away and say, oh God bless you. So we need to understand that God wants us pure Ephesians 5:26 Paul is talking about husbands and wives and then he's comparing it to the body of Christ church in verse 27, 26, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. Uh, sorry, uh, in verse 26, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So, what does this mean? That's what we're going to ask ourselves. You know, I get caught up <laughs> with people who think, oh, it's all done, it's, it's finished, it's over with I don't have to do anything anymore. Right? Jesus did it all on the cross. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't tell me that. If you read that verse again, it says here that he might sanctify against it with the washing of water by the word. Why are we constantly going back to the word? Why are we preaching? Right? Why Why is the fivefold ministry given to the church? For what? For the perfecting of the saints? The edification of the saints, for the works of the ministry. And what are we using? We're using the word which is the water of purification and sanctification. So it's not us who are making you clean, it's the word that's making you clean. What does it make you clean? When you receive it. When you apply it to your situation and you know that God has just spoken to you through His word, it washes you clean and you're given the opportunity to be clean. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. We'll begin at verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So the born again experience did not happen because of our righteousness. It happened because the love of God was manifest in Christ Jesus. He walked upon the earth and He said, Listen, I am your regeneration. I am your new life. I am revealing myself to you. What we have done is, we have taken our born-again experience and made that our new life. That's why many really believe, what St. always we say, No, 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 you have to engage Jesus on a daily basis. Engage Him on a daily basis. Let it become so real to you that you have absolutely nothing separating you from the love of God. And from the blessings of God because you are engaging Jesus. And then the regeneration and the washing takes place and you're made clean and you're made whole because of it. Amen. Our offering to God has already been made by Jesus for sin but it still requires our repentance from a convicted heart to be washed clean of that sin that we have committed after rebirth. See, I wasn't born a sinner in the sense that uh, I committed the sin. I was born a sinner because Adam and Eve committed the sin. And all mankind came under that, that, that covering of sin. I didn't particularly commit sin to fear uh, to, uh, to have to repent when I was a baby. No, I came to repentance when I came to the understanding of what sin is and what sin is doing in my life. Right? And what it has already done. So now I'm I'm being washed clean daily by the Word of God, as I eat that Word, as I drink that Word, I'm being washed clean, my spirit, my soul, and my body is getting the benefit of knowing that Word and what it means because it's Spirit and life, it's giving me life. So, let us say the Holy Spirit comes along, and He says something like, Noble, yeah you're doing all right, mate, but there's this thing in your heart, that I need to deal with. Uh, no, no, I don't want to deal with this. Maybe some other time. He says, some of the time it's too late. I've got to deal with it now. That's why I'm here. you are got to stop everything. Let's say, God, this is an inopportune moment for you to come. I'm just about ready to go on ministry somewhere. I booked my tickets, I've done everything. And he says, if you go, you will die. Right? Because you are going as an impure, unclean vessel that's open to the attacks of the enemy and you are going to represent my name in a place that is filled with demons and you are not going to succeed because they will take advantage of you. So what are you going to do? You have to stop. You have to. I've told so many people, don't do this. They want to do something and I said don't do this because it's not my God. And say, nah, we're gonna do it. And they do it, bang. They're gone. Then they come back right and say, Oh, you know, who is me, I've had this problem. You know, uh, this morning George read from Hebrews nine fourteen about the cleansing of the conscience. So what is really God trying to do in cleaning us up is He's trying to make us pure in our thought life that has got to do with our conscience. Hebrews 9:14 How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God
1: Amen.
0: So it's it's God who's doing it he is now coming and he is Purifying you, in your conscience, in your inner man, I have no recollection of all the past sins. So somebody comes along and says to me, like even the devil, he said, "No, but you were a sinner. I said, hey, I was, a sinner. I am not deliberately sinning now, so you have no legal right to me. See, simple as that. Why does oppression and depression come? Because you are thinking about your past. You're thinking you can't get over the fact that all those things happen to you. And there's no one to cleanse you of it because you're not allowing the Word of God to cleanse you. You're not allowing communion the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. You're not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to, speak to you and cleanse you. So you've got your boss. You're, you're only functioning in, in, the, in the banner of what you call the label Christianity. I'm a Christian without joy, without peace, without release, without anything of the benefits of walking with your Lord and Savior. Right? So this is how we have to come to the place where we realize the repeated cleansing to achieve purity must come from the Lord. It's a once and for all thing. Otherwise, what we're going to do is we're only going to deal with a branch problem. Okay? I'm going to say, oh, oh, today I, I committed a sin, then I'll go to it and I'll say, well, Jesus has forgiven me. I'll go to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, I committed a sin, please forgive me. And you feel the forgiveness of Jesus come upon you. So then when you're cleansed, you'll go this way and you'll say, okay, I can take up my sin again. And then go back again. And say, I'm sorry Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Oh, you're the advocate with the Father, so you'll forgive me. Right? You start using the words of God, manipulating the words of God against Him. So that you can indulge yourself again and again in the same
1: sin. Mm-hmm.
0: God says, no. That's not Because you're not wholly given to me. You're given to that as well as me. And it won't work. One leg in the world and one leg in me will not work. Hot right? and cold don't go together, neither does oil, oil and uh, water, nor bitter or sweet, they don't go together. The true cleansing which never allows us in our actions, thoughts or speech to go back to our sinful ways is the cleansing of the Lord. Because he comes to the root problem. John the Baptist came and said to his people when they came running, he said, now the axe is laid to the root. Now? So before what was happening? They were taking a sin offering to the temple, dealing with the branch problem, go back every year to the sin and come back again and give sin offering. And God said, away with your sacrifices. He does not preach He said, but you instituted the law, I'm sacrificed. He said, yeah, but you didn't have the perception or the faith to understand that it's not valid. So until you have a repentant heart, like this woman with the alabaster box, you have to have a true repentant heart. Only then will it change. Only then will it change. You see, I often meet people who are drug addicts and alcoholics, and they say, oh, I'm struggling with you. I said, no man, you haven't been delivered by the Lord. You're trying to deliver yourself. You can't set yourself free. Okay? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, not one who sets himself free, he's never free. He's only covering his conscience, he's only covering his sin with something else to say he's free, but he's not free at all. George said, you can't manipulate the word, (laughs) that's exactly right, you can do that with your safety manual at work, but you can't do it with the word of God. You have to be set free by the Son. you can't be set free by a noble or by anybody else. Yes, I come and pray for you and you manifest and the demon comes out, you fall down, you're free, but you're only free of the demon, you're not free of your sin if you go back to it. It's a big deal? Yeah, the demon came out, I you know I worked hard to get the demon no? out. And what do you do? You go and throw yourself back again. So this pastor, the same pastor with the brother-in-law situation, said to me one day, he said, you know, I noticed that my ch- my church members were coming in the altar call for the same sin over and over again. He said, But I delivered you two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, or five weeks ago. Why are you still got it? He said, You guys are just going back to the sin and getting seven or eight worse than the first one. And now I'm fasting and praying. My marriage is at stake. My finances are at stake. The devil's attacking me and making me miserable because of you. So you keep your demon and I'll keep my peace. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what you want, if that's what you want, keep your sin, keep your demon. See how far you get with it. Keep the past going in your mind. See how far you get with it. It's destroying you. It's taking you back to the pit that God delivered you from. And all oh, this me. And you want people to come and mollycoddle you. And tell you how what a nice and sweet person you are. And bless you and pray for you. But you're taking the life out of the person who's praying for you. Time and time again. Years and years and years of doing the same thing over and over again. I'm always amazed at these ministers, like T.L., versus Anderson? Hmm? No, Anderson. He does counseling and he says, you know, I never cast demons out. Hardly ever cast demons out. If it comes down to it, I will do it. Maybe half a percent of his patients, he casts a demon. All he does is that they are pretty bad. They are messed up people from the past. He takes the word of God And He gives them the passage that's relevant to their situation. And He says, sit here and read it till it becomes a you. That's all He does. He has set free thousands and thousands and thousands of people. My friends, you can't get past the Word. And the Word is a person. His name is Jesus. And the sinner came to Him. She didn't go to the Pharisee, she didn't go to the temple, she knew the word was sitting there who could set her free and he said to her, you are free, go in peace. Wow. No society, no sin of the past, nothing could affect her anymore because she had realized she had been accepted as a living sacrifice to her Jesus. Amen. To be given wholly unto the Lord is drawn from conviction of who God is. This makes us worship God in spirit and
1: truth.
0: Right? I often say, when you go and do something half harm- heartedly, it's not wholly given to the Lord. The sacrifice is a partial sacrifice. You go to help somebody and say, I'll be there at 11 and then you don't turn up till 1 o'clock. <laughs> Where's the sacrifice? Right? Oh yeah, I'm not busy. Oh, somebody called me and i have got talking. And... No, wholly given unto the Lord is being disciplined enough to understand that what you're giving to the Lord, He wants the whole thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? He's not asking you for half your time. He's asking you for all your time. But I've got this to do and that to do. Then he says, you're not holy, they it. You're not set apart. See, Samson was set apart as a Nazarite. And, you know, he could not drink. He could not fornicate. He could not have anything to do with any of those things. Or touch dead animals. And he did all three. He was a Nazarite. God still used him. But he suffered. He defiled himself. He defiled his Nazarite position. Don't defile your Christian position. You are set apart and sanctified unto God. Don't defile it with the things of the world and of your mind and of the things that you think is okay with God. This is not okay. To be given wholly to the Lord is to forsake your thoughts. Now this God spoke to me a few days ago or weeks ago. It was an amazing dreamer. Right? Forsake your thoughts. So my thought is going on in my head. Telling me all sorts of things. Right? I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm talking to you. I'm I'm you. No, you're not. Because now Christ is in me. And his thoughts are in me. So what you're saying are wrong. And what Christ is saying is right. And the thoughts keep talking. I said, Lord, can you hear him? He said, yeah, yeah, I can hear him. What are you going to do about it? He said, "What are you going to do about it? Are you going to listen to him, or are you going to listen to me?" So this dead woman is lying on the uh, slab through a series of very bad situations that happened in her life, with a dead baby inside a womb, and she's lying dead naked on the slab, and her husband is with the doctor riding out a death certificate. So Jesus walks into the more. Sits down on the other side and says, what are you doing here? She said, go and I'm dead. So he said, who told you? She said, the doctor said I was
1: dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He said, I told you, you're alive, stand up and walk. So she got up, wrapped a sheet around her and came out into the hall and she looked like a ghost to the doctor and the hospital and they both ran off. It's what God said. What did we sing today? I am who you say I I am. I am not who I say I am. Because what I say of myself can be either lifting myself up or putting myself down. But I am, the truth is, I am what God says I am. So now I have to Indulge that, engage that, so this woman goes to Jesus, she's a sinner, but now Jesus says you're no longer a sinner. Everybody else says she's a sinner, but Jesus said to her, You're no longer a sinner. He said, How can you forgive sins? He said, Because I'm the Lord, I can't forgive sins. Simple as that.
1: na 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 na. na.
0: Isn't that wonderful? Let's finish up with these last few thoughts. To be given only to the Lord is to forsake your thoughts. Subject yourself to the will of God. That's incredibly important. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you on every matter. Take godly decisions that are first consulted with God and confirmed. Live a life of sacrifice against the temptations of the world. Continually seek to go from glory to glory at the cost of change. Consecrate yourself to the service of God in worship, works and doing of good towards others. So when all of this is done out of a pure heart that is washed clean, it bears fruit that remains. And that's what Jesus wants. is the fruit that remains. See, relationships are very hard. And I used to constantly break my relationships. Though I had a good heart towards God, my relationships with my fellow man were constantly being broken. And then God spoke to me and He said, I said, what seems to be the problem? He said, you are the problem. I said, but my relationship with you is fine. He said, yeah, maybe, but it's not on the level of your relationship with your fellow man. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you. So these are the first two commandments. And if we cannot f- fulfill the first two commandments, why are we talking about fulfilling all the other stuff? So love the one who doesn't love, love you. Love the one who does not want to be loved. And love the one who loves you. So all three. So he said, son, you don't know what love is? You've serving me for 15 years, but you don't know what love is. Love is sacrifice. Love is making yourself pure so that the other person can drink of the purity that is in your heart and be made clean by that purity that comes out of you. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of... Is it contaminated? No. That's the promise of God to you and I. That when we minister, we minister in love and in life. And in purity. So that person's, the knows the intentions of your heart are pure. See, today's uh, society, you can't take a little child and put him on your lap or her because society's mind is defiled. If you stand talking to a woman, they'll think, oh, you're trying to have an affair with her. Her mind is defiled. Right? Because there's no trust, there's no release of the person. And understanding, there's observation and there's discernment, but there's also trust. So we must know that that purity, you know, God, God allowed this woman, Jesus allowed this woman to touch her feet, touch his feet. And his head. And that Pharisee said, Oh, doesn't she he know if he's a prophet that she is a sinner? If he was a prophet, he would not allow this woman. What would we have said? Knowing that she's a sinner. We don't want sinners to touch Jesus because we think we're more pure. And we have touched Jesus. They can't touch Jesus. Jesus wants to touch everybody. Hallelujah. He wants to set you free. He wants to make you whole. And He wants you to give yourself holy unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We are always appreciative to a point where we understand. And the things we don't understand, I pray that you will open our eyes of our understanding. That everyone may go with that blessing from heaven that you want us to have, to be wholly given unto you in every way. Thank you for teaching us your ways, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being patient with us dealing with us let not the evil one take advantage over our lives and our weaknesses and our characters but purify us by the blood and by the word and by your spirit in jesus name we pray make us whole again
1: may be a living sacrifice unto you in jesus precious name we pray amen, amen.